Hola, and welcome to Whole Cluster Conversation. As Haley just said, you should know that you're talking to or listening to us here because you clicked on that button. Um, today, we are talking about the topic of spraying on the vineyard. Um, we're going to just talk about like why you as either a hobbyist or maybe even a wine grower or even just like somebody that works in the vineyard or like the tasting room and stuff might want to know a little bit about spraying and why that is used as a tool. Um, and maybe a couple of benefits for why we spray your vines. So all of that. So with that, let's get started. Um, Haley, I'll just throw out the first question. Uh, what do we mean when we talk about spraying on the vineyard? I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. When we're discussing spraying in the vineyard, um, most people that are from an agricultural background have a very good idea of what we're talking about. But people that maybe haven't been around farms or or been in the wine industry, or sorry, the vineyard industry, might not really understand what we're talking about. Spraying for different things in the vineyard means literally uh, hauling behind a tractor or an ATV or think something like that, like a or a, a big, backpack sprayer, right? But I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what small people <laughs> consider like that's what they might be thinking, but really most of most of the time on a big scale, you're hauling like a tank that has something dissolved in it. Um, in the water, and then you're spraying it on as much of the surface area of your, typically your crop, or if you're trying to get rid of weeds or something, then you're spraying it not on your crop, on the other stuff. So um, that's what we're talking about with spraying is like, think of it more, more of an industrial kind of idea. And then there's also plenty of instances where, yeah, you can use a backpack sprayer or just a little hand pump sprayer, depending on what you're spraying. This is why it's a conversation and that while we do like our questions and our topping points, I love it because I was like, oh no, I think about like when I did like restoration on the ground field ecology um, and we did like, I had a job where that's what I did every day was spraying. But like we had big field crews that would go through, but we're like, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But so I'm like, oh, we were doing acres of spraying, but it was like a different way. So anyways, that's why it's fun. Um, Yeah. So um, I feel like I'm going to be asking a lot of questions at the beginning, but, um, (laughs) or I guess we can, but like can we just buy a sprayer and start spraying? Can one person just do that? Um, Technically, yes, you can, but uh, legally, no, you can't. Uh, This is where things get really fuzzy in the world of like, you can go out, anybody can go out and buy a sprayer. Backpack sprayer is a great example. You can even buy a lot of the products that um, are semi-regulated but mm-hmm. technically to apply them, you have to have an applicator's license. So that's a really, really good thing to understand is that <clears throat> there's a lot involved. When somebody's in the field spraying, they are mm-hmm. supposed to 
have considered about 50 different things before they started spraying to make sure it's safe and um, also a, a good time to spray. So, um, so yeah, I think that now might be a really good time to discuss um, just near the top, like what kinds of things we can spray and maybe define them a little bit. Well, first I was going to say, it's kind of like driving or whatever. I'm, you know, cause yeah. I like my analogies. It's kind of like driving. Um, is it like, yeah, you can hop in a car and you can drive and like, you, you can, can buy be a successful. Car a license. Yeah, <laughs> and you can be successful at all of these things, but there's just all of those road rules. Or like I think about when I have traveled internationally and like I'm driving, but there's all these things that you kind of need to know and like you can do it, but um legally there's a level to it. And there's yeah. gonna be, and we're kind of we're we're speaking really broadly about this because of like we know that some people are home hobbyists and some people are a little bit, you know, more in the industry. Um, so that's why I just and think spraying, about that. Spraying, like all other things in life, is a very personal decision. So depending yeah. on how you're farming, who's using your land, mm-hmm. whether or not you're doing events, whether or not you live close to a, a, a neighborhood, like there's just so many factors that come yeah. into... And then take it back even just another step of of how you're farming, which we'll get into a little bit uh, later, whether you're biodynamic, organic, or conventional. Like, there's yeah. just so many factors that you have to consider before you, you decide how you're spraying and using it as a tool. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so what was your question again? I'm yeah. sorry. Well, um, <laughs> first off, tell me, or let's talk about what kinds of things you can spray. Just to... Like in general, I know that you def- you kind of use a particular word, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know. I was like, well, you can spray for mildew, <laughs> and you can spray for. Um, so, I typically use, as I say, the umbrella term of pesticide, and that encompasses. Some people get a little confused because they'll be like. Like I often talk to people about spraying weeds, um, different plants. And so they'll be like, why aren't you using herbicide for that or herbicide? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm like, well, because a pesticide is the umbrella term for different herbicide, fungicides, whatever asides. Um, So insecticides, I guess, is another one. So. That is, that's what I tend to use just so that it's kind of just covering them all. But like I said, I'll slow down a second and say, so there's herbicides Mm -hmm. that would be for plants. Those are going to kill, yeah, green tissue of plants. mm -hmm. And there's, you know, under all of these, there's a lot of chemistry that goes on. And so there's like yes. different ways that it moves through plant tissues, different ways that it kills. It's like when you apply all of that, we're not going to go into all of that because that is really complex um, yes. and a lot of chemistry. But just know in general, there's different types of herbicides that work on plants. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different types of fungicides, which work on like I guess that would be mushrooms and like Fungus, yeah. funguses, um, your mildews, Yeasts, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm guessing 
I'm just going to throw it out there that you use a lot of those Um, (laughs) insecticides, which work on different bugs. And um, I will say that, you know, that's there. Sometimes they're very targeted and sometimes they're very broad. Yeah. Um, And then you just wanted me to bring up again, which is kind of in another class, but also thinking of stuff like there's like fertilizers and I don't know, some other stuff, which aren't really pesticides, but in that category of things that you can spray right. on um, your plants. So Yes. Um, and again, we are, <laughs> I think this is the last time we should mention it. We're not going to talk about all of the things that you you should spray, can spray, how to spray, when to spray. We're not talking about that today. That's all stuff that you should be having discussions with your extension office if you're having trouble or with with something in particular. And you should also be a certified applicator. So if you don't have your, um, if you're not a certified applicator and you're wondering about what to spray, first off, you need to go and take the class because there are very particular things that you'll learn there about safety and um, what is possible to apply. And then um, from there, you can kind of go to your extension office or a couple other places. Even sometimes, um, depending on your rep, your representative, the people that are selling you the stuff to apply can be really great resources. Sometimes they're salespeople and they they need to sell more product, but most of the time they're extremely knowledgeable people. And something else I want to say um, in, in kind of broadly about spraying is it's a weird kind of scary thing, especially for people that aren't coming from a farming background. I would say it's one of the most intimidating things as you get into um, agriculture, like thinking, okay, we have to spray or, you know, there's this thing that we have to do and it involves spraying. Most of the time, all of us are like, oh, well, that's, that's not, you know, that's not good. That's not healthy. That's, it's not necessary. It's not, and it's, that's not true. Um, there's, there have been such amazing leaps in the way that we farm in the last hundred years that I think spraying is relatively necessary or um, at least safe and a great tool to use. It's just when you don't come from the background of agriculture, it can be, like I said, extremely intimidating because you don't know how it works. You don't know what to apply. You don't know um, what's possible. So don't, just because it's intimidating, don't let it deter you from learning more about it and having conversations with other people that are farming or um, especially, like I said just a second ago, your extension office. Most of those people are going to have great ideas on how to use spraying effectively and even minimally because something that we've all learned that um, as we've gotten into, if, if you've gotten into farming is Sometimes you do things and you're like, cool, we just uh, we just threw a bunch of money out the window because it didn't work. So that's something that the extension offices are really great at, at recognizing and saying, okay, <laughs> let's not, like nobody wants you to waste money. <laughs> so let's find ways that we can make sure this is an effective tool. So I'll get off my soapbox now. I think that we can talk a little bit more particularly about vineyards, but I just wanted to make sure that a couple of those things popped into my head as you were talking so that yeah, make sure that they got mentioned. 
The other one I wanted to throw out there too is if you are more on the professional like side of the vineyard is like NRCS and your conservation yes. districts. NRCS has a number of different tools um, and remember your soil tests for a lot yes. of this stuff as well. Um, Completely. So as, Especially as, if you're looking to use um, your... So another way to say, talk about spraying is foliar applications because mm -hmm. typically you're spraying them onto your leaves, your green tissue, because that's where they're being taken in by the plant. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're doing a fer fertilize uh, a foliar application of fertilizer or a nutrient, it's mm -hmm. typically how we talk about it. Then you really need to know what your plants need, which mm -hmm. means you need to be testing both your yeah. soil and your plant tissues. Yeah. So. Test, test, test. <laughs> adjust, adjust, adjust. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a complicated whole situation, but yeah. yes. Definitely. <laughs> um, so what do you think the bare, like, bare minimum for spraying in vineyard situations is? Like, do you have opinions on that or... Uh, not really, <laughs> because I don't work in vineyards all the time. Um, yeah. So I don't really, I mean, I think that, because I, again, come from a holistic, and that's mainly because of, like, who I tend to work with is a lot right. of different people with, like, some people want spraying, some people are really like, hey, I don't want to do any of this kind of stuff, or... Yeah. Um, you know, maybe doing certain organic type spraying or, you know, like you mentioned, foliar stuff um, and just, you know, all the different perspectives. So I'm always, that's fun parts of my job is just like coming up with the new different things. I think yeah. uh, to answer that question in the best way, I think it's, as you mentioned, kind of a personal choice to some degree, but the bare minimum is also like, just knowing, using it as a tool and saying like, hey, if I'm having this one thing that's out of whack, that like this is a way that I can like selectively maybe spray to help get things back. But you know, right. it's like, like previous conversations we've had, because um, I'm kind of, you know, putting my ecologist hat on, <laughs> is like, you know, it's everything is interconnected and that's like more and more what we're finding. And while like, I think um, in the last hundred plus years, you know, we've moved more to this like, well, really since like the 50s and like, with, you know, we've, we've kind of oversprayed in a lot yeah. of areas and like moved to this more industrial style. And as you notice, there's a lot of people that are Moving going back away. to some of those traditional methods right. because they're recognizing the like balance of systems. And if you overdo it in one area, then another area starts like messing up. So I think yeah. for me, the bare minimum is just like recognizing and being in tune with your vineyard in a way that you recognize like, hey, I'm seeing maybe a bust of this certain situation, like an excess amount of mildew over here. I have factored, done all the other things to factor in like how I'm pruning, to allow for airflow, all this other stuff. This is yeah. something that I need to do in order to get it into check so that like the rest of the system keeps, keeps progressing as it needs to yeah. and doesn't get out of control to where I can't. Or like, you know what I was saying? 
I've talked about like in our weeds episode and stuff is there's just certain times where there's different methods you can take. But like I like to say is kind of bomb method of just like, okay, mow it, spray it, get it back to a manageable level so that like, you know, then you can, can progress in the way that you need to that's not causing you more work. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and um and helping you. So that's that's what I would say in general of like minimum is that. So yeah. what about for you? Is it do you have any other thoughts on that? Um yes, I think that <laughs> <laughs> the one thing in vineyards that I think uh as nice as it would be to not have to spray anything and do mm-hmm. all of the management through pruning and things like that, there's definitely a way to to make it so you can spray less. But I think mm-hmm. no matter how dry your climate is, because mm-hmm. I'm in an extremely dry climate, we yeah. still have problems with mildew. Grapes are just yeah. susceptible to mildew. And depending on the type of clusters you're forming, you're going to have problems with it. And the more you just say, oh, it's fine, we'll just let the dry climate take care of it, the worse and worse and worse it's going to get year after year to the point where... Um, there are there are pocket vineyards in our region that no they the plants are still alive but they produce very little fruit because they have so much damage to the plant caused by years and years and years of mildew. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I would say <laughs> that's mildew, an excessive situation. <laughs> yeah. And so and it's not something that you know like in the Willamette Valley where you have high humidity and more mildew pressure, there's a much different management technique than we need to do here where it is dry. So we already have things that are working in our favor to try to, to mitigate mildew. Um, but yeah, we, and I'm using mildew as a broad term. So there's powdery mildew, um, black rot, botrytis, other things like that, that all of those are going to be in that um, kind of fungus umbrella. And so when you're pr- spraying for a fungicide with a fungicide, you're going to be hitting all or most of those, depending on what you're using, uh, what kind of um, uh, chemicals you're using for application. So I would say that that's kind of, for, in my opinion, my very uh, young vineyard management <laughs> opinion, I would say the bare minimum is you, you're going to, ha- you have to have some sort of sprayer and, and even if you're not spraying for anything else, spray for mildew and manage your mildew. Otherwise, it'll be fine for a couple of years, um, and eventually it'll start to damage your plants. Um, but other than that, I think that the more comfortable I've gotten too with the fact that learning more about the applications, the more we've used spraying as a tool. So we were having a little bit of a nutrient problem a couple of years ago. And at the end of the season, before our plants went dormant, we had already picked all of our fruit because we picked so early. But because our plants weren't dormant yet and we knew we were having this, this um, it was a potassium deficiency, we actually did a foliar application for potassium to try to get a bump in our potassium levels. And because we'd already picked all of our fruit, it was a, it was a nice way to be like not, we knew we weren't going to affect our fruit. We were just going to be giving the the kind of mother plant what it maybe needed to have a better winter and and uptake some of those nutrients. Um, but again, it's it's one of those, like I said, it's an intimidating tool to use. I don't, I don't, I still don't love spraying. I I help with it. I'm not a certified applicator. That's somebody else on our team. But um I help, you know, 
try to help when I can. So I wonder if you have any, um, uh, do you have any experience working with biodynamic or organic farmers and the kind of differences in their spraying? Because I, I know that some of them still spray. Um, and so I'm wondering if you have any experience with those guys. I know for organic farming, you can still buy products from your chemical rep. Um, and they're just, they have to be organic, um, certified organic, but I'm especially interested in biodynamic. I only have really one example. You kind of took my thunder there, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you asked the question and answered I feel it. Like, it's great. <laughs> I feel like um, there's just so many people over in your neck of the woods that yeah. farm organically and biodynamically. I don't actually technically, yeah, I have not worked with somebody that's biodynamic. So I don't, as you know, if you listen to that green episode where my <laughs> mind was blown because I didn't realize what biodynamic really was. Uh, so I haven't, I'm trying to think, yeah, I haven't actually worked with somebody that's biodynamic. So if you have any hints on that. I'm going to guess yeah. that they're going to be doing more of kind of like the manure application aspect mm -hmm. and like thinking of um, those kind of methods. Yeah. Um, like you said, with organic farming, there are certain products that fall under that, that organic label that people will still use. Um, I know one of the things that's not spraying related, but I'm just going to throw it out there is that typically like organic farming, you know, they really are focusing so much on the soil. Um, like my, or at least in my perspective of a lot of people that I work with, like they're so in tune with like what's going on in their crop and like, and I mean, I'm not saying more than other people, but I'm just saying that they typically are the ones that like when I say stuff about like, oh, how's your soil health? Like they get me all the stats. Like, yeah. They're the ones that are like really on it. Um, and I think it's just because of the nature of that type of farming and how they have almost like they just have different tools, but sometimes less tools, like they're not utilizing, um, right. you know, spraying. Instead, they might be utilizing stuff like fire, like using, uh, you know, little what is that? Why is my brain not working right now? Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> the Oh, the little flamethrower? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, the thing. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, not like they're just like burning their whole thing, but you know, they, they'll use other methods of right. like mowing or like... Um, I don't, you know, I don't know as much for the mildew aspect of what yeah. they'd be using, but trying to to balance the other factors out so that that's less of a thing. Um, right. So there's one you, biodynamic uh, farmer that we met in Champagne that was explaining that they they make teas of everything, but they're so mm -hmm. like that oh, yarrow yeah. actually has a high sulfur content. So what they'll mm -hmm. do is they'll make a tea with the yarrow. Um, flowers or plants. I don't know if it's a whole plant. I think it's mostly the flowers. Yeah. And then they'll, they spray, but it's not a spray that they've bought. It's a tea that they've made from yeah. plants that they have either grown or purchased in the area. So yeah. And compost, I was, compost teas. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are mostly, mm -hmm. I don't know if they're sprayed foliar, like with a, um, yeah. a foliar application or if they're um, used in a fertigation. A what? Uh, fertigation. 
Uh, so you put it in your irrigation, like your drip. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you're applying it there. Um, but but yeah, it's... I it's know in, my fruit trees, they were like, put it on like, just spray it on the whole tree. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that's awesome to know because, uh, yeah, I, that's one of those things that we, we don't I, use as a tool. So it's sometimes hard to talk about because if you don't have firsthand experience, it's a little... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done it yet, but I, I know that I should. But that's going to get more at that, uh, what we were talking about, more of the like nutrient fertilizer right. application spray. Yes. Um, but that's, I think, yeah, a way that you could do it because you could be like, hey, I'm I'm making this compost thing that's helping with the nutrients and maybe have some sort of like natural fungicide in it. Like I know cedars for one, like Uh the leaves of cedars, you can make a fungicide out of that because they're a natural fungicide. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that you want to make cedar tea over in your (laughs) neck of the woods, but... (laughs) I think that's also where they get a lot of the organic... Mm-hmm. spray applications are made from things like that um, rather than kind of the traditional like made in a factory they're they're processed in a factory but they're made from yeah things like that um, or you know well, na- all I, naturally occurring ingredients yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking as you were talking I say yarrow you say whatever but um when I was thinking of that that was one of the orchardists was telling me how it's a great one for different beneficial insects for your mm-hmm. plants um and yeah. so I've really like started growing a lot of it too um yeah. for that and so that's also where I'm saying the balance of everything is like okay maybe like you start growing some more of these things that help with beneficial insects so then you don't have have to do as, as much of the insecticides because totally. you know you're having that or you know like maybe like the person in champagnes then you're able to make a compost tea or something out of of some of those things that you're growing on your property I mean yeah. that's again where I get really excited about all of this because it's just like the creative ideas that yeah. people come up with <laughs> oh totally and the the history that we have of mm like farming, obviously we've been doing it for a very long time. So there's little things that yeah, people know or knew. And some some of them we're kind of rediscovering because so so much went so industrial yeah. so quickly over the last 50, 60, 70 years. But now we're kind of swinging back to, okay, what's the what's the way to do this? Maybe, maybe we won't get as much of a crop or we won't have yeah. as high of yields, things like that. But we'll have a little bit, maybe it won't cost as much. Yeah to get those yields or maybe our soil health will be better. So we're not having to put so much more in energy into making sure our soil has what it needs to be able to grow our crop, things like that. It all kind of balances out and works. I guess in all, I don't want to say like, I don't want to alienate the sprayers or alienate the non-sprayers. I'm just saying it's a tool. And so I just want to reiterate, like it is a tool and like, it's just knowing how to use those things and then thinking creatively. And um, yeah. But I think there's also a very good, um, it's not just even about how, like we were just discussing, um, it has to be how it works for you, how it works for your site, how it works for your goals as a company. Mm-hmm. But it also, um, if you work for a big company that farms conventionally, that's going to be part of what's in your tool tool uh, belt. Like you have to 
reach mm-hmm. the certain benchmarks that your company that you work for has. And that's very different than mm-hmm. farming the same amount of acreage mm-hmm. um, as a family. Like there's mm-hmm. just differences. And sometimes maybe the thing that you're, as a family, you're like, you know, we don't, it's intimidating to spray. So we're just going to hire someone to do it. Like that's usually where where there's a lot of the same crop. That's an option. You can just say, hey, look, we're, it's like having someone come and um, custom mow your hay. Like we've mm-hmm. grown the hay, but now we need you to come and mow it because that's a yeah. tool that we we don't have or it's too busy in our lives for other things that time. Um, so we just need you to come and mow. So there's, there's, yes, it's fine either way. Um, mm-hmm all the ways in between there's always different things to try as well like making tea with yarrow (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we thought that conversation was gonna happen when we first discussed this so what's the next question (laughs) um i think we should uh hear from you to and kind of wrap things up and from an ecologist perspective what do you Mm -hmm. want to make sure people do when they spray to preserve or protect their crop like what what do you wish more people knew or did before they started spraying? I mean, I think we already covered it a lot um, unintentionally, but I think, <laughs> uh, again, knowing what's happening, really staying in tune with everything. Um, I am a big proponent, and I think it comes from the economics of it as well oh, yeah. as the um ecology part of it, keeping things in balance. But I just really say like selective spraying is is more of my jam. And as you're writing this, yeah, like knowing how to, and this gets into what, you know, the reasons why if you're doing this kind of stuff, you should work with a professional, somebody with your certified applicator, but um, calibrate your sprayers, understand how much is actually getting put out on your product. Um, and again, that's because if you, some people just, I have ran into some people that it's just, you know, that mindset of like, I got to spray. And it's like, Sometimes taking that moment to pause and say, okay, but why am I spraying? And is it actually doing what I'm wanting it to do? And not just like going out and being like, it's spray season, I got to spray. Like, just because like, that's what we've always done. Tradition. Um, (laughs) Because sometimes it's like what I was saying up at the beginning with the mildew and keeping things in balance is like, hey, do I need to at this point? Or is this really out of whack? Or is it just a little tiny bit that -hmm. it's like, yeah, maybe like these couple clusters or this part of the vineyard because Mm -hmm. of the slope or the drainage or the wind flow in this part of the vineyard, I'm seeing a bit mildew, but like this whole other part of the vineyard is fine. So like, let's just focus right there and get the problem like you know at bay there and not just be like oh we gotta do a I don't know if you do crop spraying I'm just or like I'm thinking of like with the The airplane but like but you know I've I used to inspect nurseries I was out one time and somebody just was out fumigating next door to me and I was like I had to put a pause and like tell the person you have to come back because that person is not paying attention and they were just yeah. And everywhere. Sorry, that was yeah. bad audio, but I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but it was just, you know, again, just taking that moment to pause and say, 
why am I using this tool right now? Does it make sense? And like from all my other tools, is there another tool that will actually meet my objective more in this scenario? And am I doing it at the correct application? And is my, are my tools calibrated and working properly? Like taking Mm -hmm. that time for all of that will save you money in the long run and also help just keep everything else in whack so you don't just spray and then cause another problem. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You don't want to overspray and then you have something else that moves into like that niche that yeah. you've voided. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's exactly. A bigger problem. So just right. thinking a little more holistic, that's, that's where I like to come, you know, yes. give my two cents on things yeah. and take it or leave it. But no, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think that's, that's about it on spraying, you guys. So thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. And please remember, if you're planning on spraying, you need to be a certified applicator. If you don't know how to do that, please check in with your local extension office, um, a local NRCS office, or even the supplier for uh, pesticides and spray applications in your area. They might know where and when to get your application applicator's license. Also, you're welcome to write in to let us know what kind of questions you have or opinions you have about um, spraying, especially uh, biodynamic spraying, because that's something that we don't know that much about. So let us know if you have experience with that. You can always reach us at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com and on Facebook and Instagram at wholeclusterconversation. We're excited to talk about all things wine related. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.